The Poetry of Trilby, a selection of the poetry, some beautiful, some comic, referred to or quoted by the characters in Trilby by Georges du Maurier. The poets include Thackeray, Longfellow, Walter Scott, Lord Byron, Charles Stuart Calverley, Alfred Lord Tennyson, Shelley, Léon de Montenacken, and Anonymous. All the music used is in the public domain. Read by Linda Barrens. From Chapter One, the poem from which our romantic hero, Little Billy, gets his nickname. Little Billy, William Makepeace Thackeray, 1845. There were three sailors of Bristol City who took a boat and went to sea, but first with beef and captain's biscuits and pickled pork they loaded she. There was gorging Jack and guzzling Jimmy, and the youngest he was Little Billy. Now when they got as far as the equator, they'd nothing left but one split pea. Says gorging Jack to guzzling Jimmy, I am extremely hungry. To gorging Jack, says guzzling Jimmy, We've nothing left, us must eat we. Says gorging Jack to guzzling Jimmy, With one another we shouldn't agree. There's little Billy, he's young and tender. We're old and tough, so let's eat he. Oh, Billy, we're going to kill and eat you, so undo the button of your shimmy. When Bill received this information, he used his pocket handkerchief. First, let me say my catechism, which my poor mammy taught to me. Make haste, make haste, says guzzling Jimmy, while Jack pulled out his snickersnee. So Billy went up to the main top gallant mast, and down he fell on his bended knee. He scarce had come to the Twelfth Commandment, when up he jumps. There's land, I see. Jerusalem and Madagascar and North and South America. There's the British flag riding at anchor with Admiral Napier, KCB. So when they got aboard of the Admirals, he hanged Fat Jack and flogged Jimmy. But as for little Bill, he made him the captain of a 73. Also from Chapter 1, by William Makepeace Thackeray, 1855, The Ballad of Bouillabaisse. A street there is in Paris famous for which no rhyme our language yields. Rue Neuve des Petits Chants, its name is, the new street of the little fields. And here's an inn, not rich and splendid, but still in comfortable case, the which in youth I oft attended, to eat a bowl of bouillabaisse. This bouillabaisse are noble dishes, a sort of soup or broth or brew or hotchpotch of all sorts of fishes that Greenwich never could outdo. Green herbs, red peppers, mussels, saffron, soles, onions, garlic, roach and dace. All these you eat at Terra's Tavern in that one dish of bouillabaisse. 
Indeed, a rich and savoury stew tis, and true philosophers, methinks, who love all sorts of natural beauties, should love good victuals and good drinks, and Cordelier or Benedictine might gladly sure his lot embrace, nor find a fast day too afflicting, which served him up a bouillabaisse. I wonder if the house still there is. Yes, here the lamp is as before. The smiling red-checked ecaillere is still opening oysters at the door. Is Ter still alive and able? I recollect his droll grimace. He'd come and smile before your table, and hoped you liked your bouillabaisse. We enter. Nothing's changed or older. How's Monsieur Ter, waiter, pray? The waiter stares and shrugs his shoulder. Monsieur is dead this many a day. It is the lot of saint and sinner. So honest tears run his race. What will monsieur require for dinner? Say, do you still cook bouillabaisse? Oh, oui, monsieur's the waiter's answer. Quel vin monsieur désire-t-il? Tell me a good one. That I can, sir. The chambatin with yellow seal. So Ter's gone, I say, and sink in my old accustomed corner place. He's done with feasting and with drinking, with burgundy and bouillabaisse. My old accustomed corner here is. The table still is in the nook. Ah, vanished many a busy year is this well-known chair since last I took. When first I saw you, cari luoghi, I'd scarce a beard upon my face, and now a grizzled, grim old fogey I sit and wait for Buiabes. Where are you, old companions, trusty, of early days here met to dine? Come, waiter, quick, a flagon crusty, I'll pledge them in the good old wine. The kind old voices and old faces my memory can quick retrace. Around the board they take their places and share the wine and Buiabes. There's Jack has made a wondrous marriage. There's laughing Tom is laughing yet. There's brave Augustus drives his carriage. There's poor old Fred in the Gazette. On James's head the grass is growing. Good Lord, the world has wagged apace since here we set the claret flowing and drank and ate the bouillabaisse. Ah me, how quick the days are flitting. I mind me of a time that's gone, when here I'd sit as now I'm sitting, in this same place, but not alone. A fair young form was nestled near me, a dear, dear face looked fondly up, and sweetly spoke and smiled to cheer me. There's no one now to share my cup. I drink it as the fates ordain it. Come, fill it, and have done with rhymes. Fill up the lonely glass and drain it in memory of dear old times. Welcome the wine, whate'er the seal is, and sit you down and say your grace with thankful heart, whate'er the meal is. Here comes the smoking bouillabaisse. One final poem from chapter one, Ben Bolt, as sung very, very badly by Trilby when first she meets the three musketeers of the brush, 
Thomas Dunn English wrote the poem Ben Bolt in 1842, the most popular musical arrangement of which was composed by Nelson Nias in 1848. Don't you remember sweet Alice, Ben Bolt, sweet Alice whose hair was so brown, who wept with delight when you gave her a smile and trembled with fear at your frown. In the old churchyard in the valley, Ben Bolt, in a corner obscure and alone, they have fitted a slab of the granite so grey, and Alice lies under the stone. Under the hickory tree, Ben Bolt, which stood at the end of the hill, together we've lain in the noonday shade and listened to Appleton's mill. The mill wheel has fallen to pieces, Ben Bolt, the rafters have tumbled in, and a quiet that crawls round the walls as you gaze has followed the olden din. And don't you remember the school, Ben Bolt, with the master so cruel and grim, and the shaded nook in the running brook where the children went to swim? Grass grows on the master's grave, Ben Bolt, the spring of the brook is dry, and of all the boys who were schoolmates then, there are only you and I. In a corner of pure and alone, they have fitted a slab of granite so grey, and sweet Alice lies on a door of a stone. They have fitted a slab of granite so grey, and sweet Alice lies on. From Chapter 3, The Day is Done, by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, 1844. The day is done, and the darkness falls from the wings of night, as a feather is wafted downward from an eagle in his flight. I see the lights of the village gleam through the rain and the mist, and a feeling of sadness comes o'er me that my soul cannot resist a feeling of sadness and longing that is not akin to pain and resembles sorrow only as the mist resembles the rain. Come, read to me some poem, some simple and heartfelt lay that shall soothe this restless feeling and banish the thoughts of day. Not from the grand old masters, not from the bards sublime, whose distant footsteps echo through the corridors of time, for like strains of martial music their mighty thoughts suggest life's endless toil and endeavour, and tonight I long for rest. Read from some humbler poet whose songs gushed from his heart as showers from the clouds of summer or tears from the eyelids start, who through long days of labour and nights devoid of ease still heard in his soul the music of wonderful melodies. Such songs have power to quiet the restless pulse of care and come like the benediction that follows after prayer. Then read from the treasured volume the poem of thy choice and lend to the rhyme of the poet the beauty of thy voice and the night shall be filled with music and the cares that infest the day shall fold their tents like the Arabs 
and as silently steal away. From chapter 13, The Rover's Adieu, by Walter Scott, 1791. A weary lot is thine, fair maid, a weary lot is thine, To pull the thorn thy brow to braid, and press the rue for wine. A lightsome eye, a soldier's mien, a feather of the blue, A doublet of the Lincoln green, no more of me ye knew, my love, No more of me ye knew. This morn is merry June, I trow, the rose is budding fain, but she shall bloom in winter snow, ere we two meet again. He turned his charger as he spake upon the river shore, he gave the bridle reins a shake, said, Adieu for evermore, my love, and adieu for evermore. From Chapter 14, Youth and Age by George Gordon Byron, March 1815 There's not a joy the world can give like that it takes away When the glow of early thought declines in feeling's dull decay Tis not on youth's smooth cheek the blush alone which fades so fast But the tender bloom of heart is gone ere youth itself be past then the few whose spirits float above the wreck of happiness are driven o'er the shoals of guilt or ocean of excess. The magnet of their course is gone, or only points in vain the shore to which their shivered sail shall never stretch again. Then the mortal coldness of the soul like death itself comes down. It cannot feel for others' woes, it dare not dream its own. That heavy chill has frozen o'er the fountain of our tears, And though the eye may sparkle still, Tis where the ice appears. Though wit may flash from fluent lips, And mirth distract the breast, Through midnight hours that yield no more Their former hope of rest, Tis but as ivy leaves around the ruined turret wreathe, All green and wildly fresh without, but worn and grey beneath. Oh, could I feel as I have felt, or be what I have been, or weep as I could once have wept, or many a vanished scene, 
as springs in deserts found seem sweet, all brackish though they be, so midst the withered waste of life those tears would flow to me. From Chapter 15, Precious Stones by Charles Stuart Calverley, 1872, An Incident in Modern History My cherry stones, I prize them, no tongue can tell how much. Each lady caller eyes them and madly longs to touch. At eve I lift them down, I look upon them and I cry, recalling how my prince partook, sweet word, of cherry pie. To me it was an era in life, that déjeuner. They ate, they sipped Madeira, much in the usual way. Many a soft item there would be, no doubt, upon the cart, but one made life a heaven to me. It was the cherry tart. Lightly the spoonfuls entered that mouth, on which the gaze of ten fair girls was centred in rapturous amaze. Soon that august assemblage cleared the dish, and as they ate, the stones all coyly reappeared on each illustrious plate. And when His Royal Highness withdrew to take the air, waving our natural shyness, we swooped upon his chair. Policemen at our garments clutched, we mocked those feeble powers, and soon the treasures that had touched exalted lips were ours. One large one, at the moment it seemed almost divine, was got by that Miss Bowment, and three, oh, three are mine. Yes, the three stones that rest beneath glass on that plain deal shelf, stranger once dallied with the teeth of royalty itself. Let Parliament abolish churches and states and thrones. With reverent hand I'll polish still, still my cherry stones. A clod, a piece of orange peel, an end of a cigar, once trod on by a princely heel, how beautiful they are. Years since I climbed St. Michael, his mount, you'll all go there, of course, and those who like'll sit in St. Michael's chair. For there I saw within a frame the pen, oh heavens the pen, with which a duke had signed his name, and other gentlemen. Great among geese, I faltered, is she who grew that quill, and deathless bird unaltered is mine opinion still. Yet sometimes, as I view my three stones with a thoughtful brow, I think there possibly might be in greater geese than thou. From Chapter 16, At the Church Gate, William Makepeace Thackeray, from the History of Pendennis, 1848. Mm -hmm. 
although I enter not, yet round about the spot oft-times I hover, and near the sacred gate with longing eyes I wait, expectant of her. The minster bell tolls out above the city's rout, and noise and humming. They've hushed the minster bell, the organ gins to swell, she's coming, she's coming. My lady comes at last, timid and stepping fast, and hastening hither, with modest eyes downcast. She comes, she's here, she's past. May heaven go with her. Kneel undisturbed, fair saint, pour out your praise or plaint, meekly and duly. I will not enter there to sully your pure prayer with thoughts unruly. But suffer me to pace round the forbidden place, lingering a minute, like outcast spirits who wait and see through heaven's gate angels within it. More from Chapter 16, Break, 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 by Alfred Lord Tennyson, 1835. Break, break, break on thy cold grey stones, O sea, and I would that my tongue could utter the thoughts that arise in me. Oh, well for the fisherman's boy that he shouts with his sister at play. Oh, well for the sailor lad that he sings in his boat on the bay and the stately ships go on to their haven under the hill, but oh, for the touch of a vanished hand and the sound of a voice that is still. Break, break, break at the foot of thy crags, O sea, but the tender grace of a day that is dead will never come back to me. Roll on, thou deep and dark blue ocean, roll, by George Gordon Noel Byron, sixth Baron Byron, from Child Harold. Roll on, thou deep and dark blue ocean, roll. Ten thousand fleets sweep over thee in vain. Man marks the earth with ruin. His control stops with the shore. Upon the watery plain the wrecks are all thy deed, nor doth remain a shadow of man's ravage, save his own, when for a moment, like a drop of rain, he sinks into thy depths, with bubbling groan, without a grave, unknelled, uncoffined, and unknown. And I have loved thee, ocean, and my joy of youthful sports was on thy breast to be born, like thy bubbles onward, from a boy I wantoned with thy breakers, they to me were a delight, 
and if the freshening sea made them a terror, twas a pleasing fear, for I was, as it were, a child of thee, and trusted to thy billows far and near, and laid my hand upon thy mane, as I do here. Still more from chapter 16. The Sailor Boy, Tennyson, 1864. He rose at dawn and fired with hope, shot o'er the seething harbour bar, and reached the ship and caught the rope and whistled to the morning star. And while he whistled long and loud, he heard a fierce mermaiden cry, O oh boy, though thou art young and proud, I see the place where thou wilt lie. The sands and yeasty surges mix in caves about the dreary bay, and on thy ribs the limpet sticks, and in thy heart the scrawl shall play. Fool, he answered, death is sure to those that stay and those that roam, but I will never more endure to sit with empty hands at home. My mother clings about my neck, my sisters crying, stay for shame. My father raves of death and wreck. They are all to blame. They are all to blame. God help me, save I take my part of danger on the roaring sea. A devil rises in my heart. Far worse than any death to me. And finally, from chapter 16, Time by Percy Bysshe Shelley, 1792. Unfathomable sea, whose waves are years, ocean of time, whose waters of deep woe are brackish with the salt of human tears. Thou shoreless flood, which in thy ebb and flow claspest the limits of mortality, and sick of prey, yet howling on for more, vomitest thy wrecks on its inhospitable shore, treacherous in calm and terrible in storm. Who shall put forth on thee unfathomable sea? From Chapter 17, Faustine, by Algernon Charles Swinburne, 1862, to Faustina, wife of Emperor Marcus Aurelius. Ave, Faustina Imperatrix, morituri te salutant. Lean back and get some minutes' peace. Let your head lean back to the shoulder with its fleece of locks, Faustine. The shapely silver shoulder stoops, Weighed over clean with state of splendid hair that droops each side, Faustine. 
Let me go over your good gifts that crown you queen, a queen whose kingdom ebbs and shifts each week, Faustine. Bright heavy brows well gathered up, white gloss and sheen, carved lips that make thy lips a cup to drink, Faustine. Wine and rank poison, milk and blood, being mixed therein, since first the devil threw dice with God, for you, Faustine. Your naked newborn soul, their stake, stood blind between. God said, let him that wins her take and keep, Faustine. But this time Satan throve, no doubt, long since I ween, God's part in you was battered out. Long since, Faustine. The die rang sideways as it fell, rang cracked and thin, like a man's laughter heard in hell, far down, Faustine. A shadow of laughter like a sigh, dead sorrow's kin, so rang thrown down the devil's die that won Faustine. A suckling of his breed you were, one hard to wean, but God who lost you, Left you fair, we see, Faustine. You have the face that suits a woman for her soul's screen, the sort of beauty that's called human. In hell, Faustine. You could do all things but be good or chaste of mean, and that you would not if you could, we know, Faustine. Even he who cast seven devils out of Magdalene could hardly do as much, I doubt, for you, Faustine. Did Satan make you to spite God? Or did God mean to scourge with scorpions for a rod our sins, Faustine? I know what queen at first you were, as though I had seen red, gold, and black, imperious hair, twice crown, Faustine. As if your fed esophagus spared flesh and skin, you come back face to face with us, the same Faustine. She loved the games men played with death, where death must win, as though the slain man's blood and breath revived Faustine. Nets caught the pike, pikes tore the net, lithe limbs and lean, from drained-out paws dripped thick red sweat to soothe Faustine. She drank the steaming drift and dust blown off the scene, Blood could not ease the bitter lust that galled Faustine. All round the foul, fat furrows reeked, where blood sank in, the circus splashed and seethed and shrieked, all round Faustine. But these are gone now. Years entomb the dust and din, yea, even the bath's fierce reek and fume that slew Faustine. Was life worth living then, and now is life worth sin? Where are the imperial years, and how are you, Faustine? Your soul forgot her joys, forgot her times of teen. Yea, this life likewise will you not forget, Faustine. For in the time we know not of did fate begin weaving the web of days that wove your doom, Faustine. The threads were wet with wine, and all were smooth to spin. They wove you like a bacchanal, the first Faustine. And Bacchus cast your mates and you wild grapes to glean. 
Your flower-like lips were dashed with dew from his, Faustine. Your drenched, loose hands were stretched to hold the vines wet green, long ere they coined in Roman gold your face, Faustine. Then after change of soaring feather and winnowing fin, you woke in weeks of feverish weather a new Faustine. A star upon your birthday burned, whose fierce, serene, red, pulseless planet never yearned in heaven, Faustine. Stray breaths of sapphic song that blew through mytilene shook the fierce, quivering blood in you by night, Faustine. The shameless, nameless love that makes hell's iron gin shut on you like a trap that breaks the soul, Faustine. And when your veins were void and dead, what ghosts unclean swarmed round the straitened barren bed that hid Faustine. What sterile growths of sexless root or epicene, what flower of kisses without fruit of love, Faustine. What adders came to shed their coats, what coiled, obscene small serpents with soft, stretching throats caressed Faustine. But the time came of famished hours, maimed loves and mean, this ghastly, thin-faced time of ours, to spoil Faustine. You seem a thing that hinges hold, a love machine with clockwork joints of supple gold. No more, Faustine. Not godless, for you serve one god, the Lampacine, who meets the gardens with his rod, your lord, Faustine. If one should love you with real love, such things have been. Things your fair face knows nothing of, it seems, Faustine. That clear hair heavily bound back, the lights wherein shift from dead blue to burnt-up black. Your throat, Faustine, strong, heavy, throwing out the face and hard, bright chin, and shameful, scornful lips that grace their shame, Faustine. Curled lips, long since half-kissed away, still sweet and keen, you'd give him poison, shall we say, or what, Faustine? Chapter 18 Tears, Idle Tears by Alfred Lord Tennyson, 1847 Tears, idle tears, I know not what they mean. Tears from the depth of some divine despair rise in the heart and gather to the eyes in looking on the happy autumn fields and thinking of the days that are no more. Fresh as the first beam glittering on a sail that brings our friends up from the underworld, sad as the last which reddens over one that sinks with all we love below the verge, so sad, so fresh, the days that are no more. 
are sad and strange as in dark summer dawns the earliest pipe of half-awakened birds to dying ears, when unto dying eyes the casement slowly grows a glimmering square, so sad, so strange, the days that are no more. Dear as remembered kisses after death, and sweet as those by hopeless fancy feigned, on lips that are for others, deep as love, deep as first love, and wild with all regret, O oh, death in life, the days that are no more. From Chapter 19 The Cold Earth Slept Below by Percy Bysshe Shelley Published in 1823, a year after his death The cold earth slept below Above the cold sky shone And all around with a chilling sound From caves of ice and fields of snow The breath of night like death did flow Beneath the sinking moon the wintry hedge was black, the green grass was not seen, the birds did rest on the bare thorn's breast, whose roots beside the pathway track had bound their folds o'er many a crack which the frost had made between. Thine eyes glowed in the glare of the moon's dying light, as a fen-fire's beam on a sluggish stream gleams dimly, so the moon shone there and it yellowed the strings of thy tangled hair that shook in the wind of night. The moon made thy lips pale, beloved, the wind made thy bosom chill. The night did shed on thy dear head its frozen dew, and thou didst lie where the bitter breath of the naked sky might visit thee at will. From Chapter 21, Peu de Choses, by Léon de Montenacan, born 1859. La vie est vaine, un peu d'amour, un peu d'haine, et puis, bonjour. La vie est brève, un peu d'espoir, un peu de rêve, et puis, bonsoir. Translated by Louise Chandler Moulton, put to music in 1902 as a song of life. Our brief is life, love's short, sweet way, with dreamings rife, and then, good day. And life is vain, hope's vague delight, grief's transient pain, and then, good night.
from Chapter 22, Love in Her Eyes Sits Playing, from Handel's Asus and Galatea, 1718. Love in her eyes sits playing and sheds delicious death. Love on her lips is straying and warbling in her breath. Love on her breast sits panting and swells with soft desire. No grace, no charm is wanting to set the heart on fire. From chapter 25, A Little Work, A Little Play, by Anonymous. A little work, a little play, to keep us going, and so, good day. A little warmth, a little light of love's bestowing, and so, good night. A little fun to match the sorrow of each day's growing, and so, good morrow. A little trust, that when we die, we reap our sowing, and so, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this presentation of The Poetry of Trilby, read by Linda Barrons. This recording may be freely downloaded and distributed, as long as Voices of Today is credited as a producer. It may not be used for commercial purposes, or distributed in an edited or remixed form. For information about Voices of Today, or to explore its catalogue, please visit voicesoftoday.org.